Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times. And in today's episode, Benji and I are talking about values. And like I mentioned in the episode, these are annoying. Values are usually brought up in very lame circumstances, and so we don't understand how important they are. But at their very core, our values guide our decisions. Whether they're conscious values or unconscious values, it's where we place the emphasis of life, where we put our money, our time, our energy, our concern. And so if you don't understand them, then chances are you're wasting a lot of time with the wrong values. But the conversation today is more centered around how our values are being eroded by social media and especially by porn and what that's doing to us collectively. So why don't you sit down and grab a little snack, some nice beverage, bubbly or otherwise, and join Benji and I discussing values and the erosion thereof. Peace. Welcome back, everybody. Andrew Welcome Love back. in the house. Hi, Andrew. Benji in the house. In a different house. And we haven't recorded in like a little while. It's been wow. a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Been a quite right rip minute. Wow. Take a gander. Yeah. And we have some good stuff to talk about today because this conversation came up a few times in different podcast episodes. But the idea of like the erosion of values globally and culturally, what that's doing to us, what we're losing. To be honest, I hate this conversation. Because even the word values is triggering for me because I grew up and the only time you'd ever hear anything about values was some cheesy school program that's trying to teach you how to live your life. And you're like, mm. you're looking at these paid people and you're like, I don't want to be anything like you. So leave me alone. So that's like my only association is some religious term or some guilt trip presentation yeah. that you get in school. But when you get older, values seem to <laughs> mean a lot more, I think. Would you say, like, were you a value-driven person at 13, Benji? No, of course not. So let's I, talk about what, what are values? Like, what does that mean to be value-driven? Because I'm just throwing these things out yeah. right off the bat. And I think people have very different contexts for what this means. So what, mm -hmm. do, what do value values mean to you? It's a belief that you think is true, something that you think is righteous and noble and beneficial to the world. Sure. And everyone has different values. I think we've talked about like people who are public sector or people who have a lot of influence in the world and people look to them for values. People like Elon Musk, for example, like he has a set of values. And then people like Mark Zuckerberg, for example, Facebook Meta has a different set of values and the values they have informs and dictates the behaviors that they have and they take, right? And it makes me, as a person, I'm always trying to figure out like, what are the values that these people have? What drives them? Not that I think they're malicious. I'm like, I'm genuinely trying to figure out why does a guy like Zuckerberg, for example, spend so much of his energy creating something that's bigger and better than what we have right now, right? Like he could just say he's incredibly wealthy, incredibly well-known, incredibly powerful, but still he has this drive to make something bigger and like have everybody live in the metaverse, right? In the next 10, 20 years. So there's a certain value he has that I think people like that genuinely believe that what they're doing is noble to some extent. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think he's yeah. just like an evil mastermind that's just trying to control the world. Like, I think he's part of him. He like genuinely believes, you know, regardless of what, what people think about what he's doing with the metaverse. I think there's part of him that, that believes that this is somehow beneficial to humanity in the world. Anyways, I'm just going off. And like, when I think about values, I think about what drives people to do the things that they do. You know what I'm saying? Sure. 
I think you were two sentences deep before you started whipping out Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> well, when you were talking, I think it made it clear to me, values are basically what somebody deems to be valuable. Like where you put your energy and your time is the things that you think are valuable. And so, I mean, Elon is very interesting because his values are centered around building a future that he, I guess they're both futurists in a sense. They're both trying to build a future. Elon doesn't believe that the world is going to be around for much longer. So he's putting a lot of his values around work ethic to help other mm -hmm. generations be interplanetary, right? But if you look at him also in the terms of sex, his right, right. values are very weak. He doesn't place any value on long-term relationships or having like raising his kids because now he has like a bunch of kids with four different at least nine three at or four kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but like a bunch of different moms and like this is there's negative impact for mm. that right so just in terms of values before we talk too much about values to define them as something that you deem valuable so in terms of money like where you put your money some people are like yeah no i'm really generous and then if you look at your last month's you know bank statement like how much of that money actually went to other people right there's like expressed values things that you say are important. And then there's like what you actually feel and act based on what you feel is valuable. So if you feel that it's valuable to look really cool, then you'll probably spend a lot more money on clothes and electronics to look cool, right? So those are values um, kind of in a nutshell by our yeah. interpretation. And one thing that really hit home and why I thought this was such an important topic was the fact that OnlyFans is a website, and if you haven't been there, you don't need to go there. If you don't know what it is, it's supposed to be for artists to be able to monetize their fan base. So if a painter has a bunch of fans and fans can pay them 10 bucks a month and they can get special behind the scenes footage or one-on-one -on -one time or whatever with that artist. But it's predominantly used by porn stars uh, who make their own porn and people pay to follow them to watch that person's porn and they can pay extra to get extra access to that person, meaning more sexual content. So this website would never have existed up until this point in history. But I really feel like our values have kind of been grinded so much by pop culture, especially by porn, that why this is so alarming is because I saw how normalized being an OnlyFans, they're called artists now or creators. They're just content mm. creators, right? They're just making content. Really, they're prostituting themselves. They're just making money off their own sexuality. And this justification really doesn't ruffle very many feathers. When people say stuff like, you know, I'm an OnlyFans creator, it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's like a legitimate career. Most people, it's not like this thing that seems wrong or off or anything because I think our values have just been so pecked at for so long that we're barely hanging on, to be honest, to where somebody can do something like this, which is clearly not a great long-term strategy for their life, for their soul, but we don't really question it that much anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? There's a reason why OnlyFans is coming out now and not before. Obviously, the internet makes it possible because of technology, but even just that kind of mail-to-order thing is, it was always shameful to be a part of the porn industry because there's always a keen awareness on the part of the creators that they were a part of something seedy, shady, something underworld-ish, right? So there's always some element of like mafia or something that was, their money was being used and that kind of stuff. So there's always, it was always clearly like illegal and bad, essentially. But now it's becoming more and more normalized and legitimate. 
to the point where they have conventions and all this stuff. And I'm just, I want to talk about it so that we can process it. Not so that we can go get our pitchforks and go find out who's evil and kill them. Right. But instead to figure out, well, how do we actually feel? Take an inventory of this phenomenon so that Mm -hmm. we can react appropriately according to our own values. How does that make you feel this erosion of culture that we're talking about? Like, does it upset you, aggravate you, scare you? Well, that's the thing. When I hear older people react, they're a lot more ardently opposed to it. They're like, this is terrible. We got to stop this kind of feeling. Mm. And I'm around it so much because it's the work that we do that I'm just kind of like, I don't want to go out and fight it, to Mm. be honest. I want to help people understand it. And I want to give people a rational opposition or like a juxtaposing viewpoint to be the devil's advocate, to allow people to willingly choose not to participate. I think that's a lot stronger because if you just react, like porn has been taking, it's been refining itself for years and it's getting better and better as a business model. It's making billions and billions of dollars and more and more people are stuck under porn addiction. So it's clearly just reacting won't do anything. We have to refine our process of being porn free. So that's kind of where I'm at. But I don't want to be numb to it either because that's that's just kind of like giving it a pass and saying it's no big deal. You got to be sensitive to the impact. So let me ask you, you? let me ask you, Andrew. So 20 year old Andrew, 25 year old Andrew, how would he respond to this phenomenon of OnlyFans, et cetera? Yeah. I'm asking because I'm wondering how did your values change to where they are today? I just grew up in the world, so I had no guidance in this area. So I was just doing what most other people were doing. And back then, 20-year-old me, that's not a fair comparison because 20-year-old me, there's no 5G. There's no Mm. smartphones even. We had Wi-Fi, we had laptops and stuff, but it was all very... The neighborhoods were very clear, like porn, you go into the shady part of town on the internet. Now porn is like Starbucks. It just kind of like sprouts up everywhere. So it's a lot more legitimized. There's no porn hub or anything. So I'd probably go along with it. But even before I started believing in God and started formulating like a clear set of values, I started to feel like depressed because of porn. And I was starting to make that correlation. I didn't have the self-awareness or the desire to finally connect the two because then I would have to do something about it. But I could see, oh, this is not helping me. It's probably not that bad. That's how far I got by myself. And then I started to believe in God, started to like see the benefits of morality. And then it just became clear what I need to do. So would you say that your relationship with God was the turning point in your value system? No. God is very loosey-goose and it depends on where you're at. Sometimes use God to legitimize all sorts of evil. The mafia believe in God, right? They're Roman Catholic. So that's not enough. It's more of like hanging out with people who are living a higher standard of values and looking at how they operate and feeling like a foreigner, but wanting to learn the language of being a good person. Because again, it's like, I could tell you all day the benefits of living without porn, blah, blah, blah. But unless you kind of see it in me or see it in a group of people, it's a hard sell, to be honest. Mm. Right? So for me, it was like the clear contrast of where my friends were at. I was hanging around good people. They're all good people, but they didn't have stuff clearly lined out. And because of that, things got muddy. Like people start dating each other, breaking up, hurting each other, all sorts of stuff. Versus if you're really clear about especially sex, and you're really living it and you hang out with other people like that, when other people come into it, they're like, they're so stunned that they either want to join that and become more like that or they run in the opposite direction, depending on where they're at in life. 
Yeah. I just kind of want to bring up the fact that I don't want to sound like I'm on a high horse talking about how people are degrading our culture and eroding it, et cetera. Where in reality, I lived a long time in a kind of a hypocritical state where I was professing all of these beliefs and ideals in the blessing and in sexual integrity and stuff, but also having like a porn and masturbation habit. Does that make sense? It was like I had a standard and ideal, but at the same time, I wasn't living up to it. And it's just like, I think for me, I need to always remember that and always remember that when people are selling themselves or justifying a porn addiction or consuming this content online, right? Paying people even. It's like they're in that state where they just can't see it. Even if people don't want it, that's the thing, right? That's the nature of like addiction, especially. Even if people don't want it, like if you ask someone's heart, original mind, like, do you want this? They'll say, absolutely not. But when the rubber hits the road and they're really face to face with that demon, a little monster, it's like all the reasoning and just flies out the window. All the logic flies out the window because that justification is, and the reasoning is so is so hard. So for me, it's like I have kind of sat on a high horse for a long time about stuff like this. Even a few weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast, it was just a random podcast, and there was a bunch of dudes talking about how many women they've slept with, right? And I was like, what the hell, man? Like, why, <laughs> why are they talking about this now? And they started bragging, right? They started bragging about it. And I was like, so mind blown. Not the fact that people are like this. Like, I, I know why people are like that. I get it. I totally understand. That's culture thing. But I'm mind blown that this is the norm. Like, this yeah. is acceptable that that's the normal and it's acceptable to brag about how many women you've slept with. And on the other side, and, and I know that that doesn't represent everybody. I know that we have billions of people across the world that will stand up for one marriage, one person. There are tons of people like me, but at the same time, I'm so blown away that that's the normal. And I was like, I was shocked. I was like, man, how did we come here? Like, I, I kept asking myself that, you know, how did we come here? And so I had to kind of go through a process recently of just thinking about, like you were saying, what is worth fighting or what is worth fighting for? What is worth standing up against? And where should I really put my energy? Because I could just be like, you know, oh, this is the worst. Media is the worst. Social media is the worst. Facebook's the worst. All this. Politics <laughs> is the worst. I could just be like that because I have been that, honestly. I've been that yeah. for a long time, you know, righteous and self-righteous and all that. But at the end of the day, I have found in personally what is helpful is it's liberating to think that in the end, goodness always wins. Goodness always prevails. And I believe that. Like, that's a belief that I... I think is true. And we see is this- Is that a value? Would you consider that a value? It's a value in that I value that, you know, my relationship with God is such that I believe that God created the world and the universe such that goodness and love always prevails and evil always kills itself in the end. Even if human beings choose to do evil things, it doesn't last over a long period of time. And maybe we're at a point in history where it's going to start turning around. Like it's, it might get really, really bad to mm -hmm. the point where it just kind of kills itself off. And I believe that that's a value I believe in God. And that's kind of where my value comes from is my belief in God, the afterlife, spirit world, et cetera. Yeah. And my belief is that, for example, here's an example to paint a picture. Um, we were talking about Elon Musk. He's recently talked a lot about the collapse of the population in the next 50, 100 200 years, right? And yeah. he feels like he's said very, very strongly, outspokenly that this is the single greatest threat to humanity, population collapse, right? And everyone's like, don't you mean the opposite? And he's like, no, our population is going down based on trends, especially recently, right? So whether he's right or wrong, doesn't matter. My point is, personally, I agree with that. I personally agree that because of the many, many factors, such as medicine, education, such as people choosing to have children later in life. We've talked about this, I think, Andrew, right? People yeah. choosing to prioritize on certain things over marriage and over having raising children, and usually people having just a few children as opposed to many. So there's many trends. And the fact that as countries become more advanced in education and medicine, they start to follow the more advanced countries like the United States, Europe, Japan, Korea, et cetera. So 
With all that being said, this is a personal belief. This is not like a representation of high noon or anything. I think that in the end, like 100, 200 years from now, the people that will be left on this planet is going to be people of high standard and high moral value. People who value family, raising kids well, and having children. And I think as a natural byproduct of the recent shift in priorities towards work, making money, et cetera, I think in the next 100 years, we're going to see a, a giant collapse. And I think that's not a bad thing, honestly. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think if what's left in this world is just goodness and priority and focusing on families and raising children well and having good marriages, then that's a good thing. And of course, I have no idea what's going to happen, but that's just like a belief I have. Sure. Well, it's definitely supported by data. I caught wind of him talking about that and I felt like it was validation for everything that I was thinking. And I agree, basically everything you said. But in the in the short term, right, the collapse of everything, we're watching the collapse of pretty much everything, education, religion, right. finance, everything is going through some form of collapse because it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for who we need to be as a people because it all favors towards bias and towards disconnection and all this stuff. It's not based mm -hmm. on harmony and synergy, but that collapse is going to be also pretty intense for a lot of people, right? Even the environment, I mean, so many crazy things happen. I just experienced a flood. I was just in a flood in Costa Rica and they were like, yeah, this has never happened before. And so in terms of the erosion of values, what we're seeing is it could get a lot darker before it gets brighter but it requires us to merely stay more focused than ever. Society doesn't necessarily support sexual integrity at all. I think there used to be a bit of a lifeline, but there's very little of that these days because, you know, I just spoke in front of a bunch of Christians, ministers, bishops, people with big following. And when I was telling them about sex and when I was talking about porn, the main guy there, the big boss, was not making eye contact. He whipped out his phone. He just couldn't look at me. And I was like, oh, dude, this guy's struggling his brains out. And I talked to a guy the next night, another guy who's an ordained, he's been ordained for 40 years. And I told him about this because he was like, that guy was super clear. I could tell when we were talking, he's like, you're doing great work, blah, blah. He said, and then I was like, I told him about the night before. I was like, these guys were struggling their brains out. He's like, you know what? I know these guys. I know what they're dealing with, right? So even within the last place where you should expect like a sanctuary, like a solace, peace is your church home. And even there, they're struggling their brains out. At this point in history, if values are really eroding, that's almost like our footing. And we're losing our footing right now because there's no, no foundation. We have to be as clear as possible ourselves and link up to other people who are clear themselves. Otherwise, everything's going to get super confusing as it is for most people, right? You think you're going in one direction. Oh, I have this boyfriend, girlfriend. Oh, they cheated on me. Crap. So you go in another direction. And that's just the way that it is right now because everybody's just struggling. They're just trying to find anything that resembles love as much as possible. And the less that they have values driving them, the more that they'll justify anything. The opposite of like having values is having justifications, right? It's like a reaction. So values are like a plan. Here's how I want to live my life. And justification is trying to cope with the decisions that you've already made, right? Like, yeah. oh crap, I watch porn. Well, porn's not that bad. It's all reactionary. And so to hang out with people who are value driven and you align with those values, like generosity, that's a value. It's not inherent. You can choose to be selfish or you can choose to be generous. All this stuff and factor that into your sexuality. If you can formulate 
that thesis of like the type of life that you want, those are your values. And then hang around other people who are also working on that. That's high noon. Okay. And none of us are perfect. Trust me. But I had an experience yesterday, Benji. I didn't, I haven't told you yet, but like I hit up a dude. I'm looking for a phone because my phone died in the flood that I just mm -hmm. mentioned in Costa Rica. So I hit up my old reliable Facebook marketplace because I really mm -hmm. do diligence. I look at people's profiles and see what kind of people they are. I met up with a guy yesterday. He came up to me in a parking lot. I was in my car. He was on one of those rental scooters. He handed me a new phone, told me why he had an extra phone, everything lined up. I gave him cash, walked away, put my SIM card in, connected with T-Mobile. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a stolen phone. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> this dude looked into my eyes. He's my age. He's like similar in every way. And he lied to me. Yeah, well, it is what it is, right? I trusted him. But that the idea is like, well, what allows somebody to do that? To look at me in the eye and he seemed like a really nice dude. Like he probably is, but his values are such that it allows for him to steal people's stuff and sell it online, right? And it's easy to justify that in this world. Well, they weren't using it or I stole it from a big corporation, whatever. And then it's a slippery slope. Hey, if you're getting something good from this episode, you will probably really enjoy our other podcast, The Blessed Couple Podcast, where we talk about how to create a smashing marriage and experience God in the process. And yes, we talk a lot about sex. We have incredible guest speakers that I think you're going to really love. All you have to do is search for Blessed Couple Podcast on your favorite podcast player, or just click the link in the description of this episode. Thanks. Back to the show. So to bring it back to sex, because that's where this is where the sex people, I think it's really, really important to consciously formulate your values, to consciously decide what you want driving you in terms of your sex. Do you want your sex to be tainted with selfishness, mm -hmm. with taking and using and abusing? Or do you want it to be pure in terms of like not transactional, but heavenly, meaning like it's from the best aspect of you is connected to sexuality, which is benevolence, generosity, giving, serving, connecting, all this stuff. And the more that you can define that and then express that with other people and then practice it. And it's so hard to practice it in this world because there's so much momentum. There's so much counter momentum pushing in the opposite direction. Like if you want to be selfless in this world and you walk out of the house, there's every incentive to be selfish, right? You go to the bus. And people just cut you off and then you're like, oh, that's how it's going to be. And then you cut somebody else off, you know, to get out or in traffic or whatever. And then you just become like everybody else. But to be really clear, that's to be a person of integrity. That gives you actually power. And then you don't find yourself in, in sticky situations. Can I give a practical tip for finding your values? Please. This is, this is something I discovered recently. So a lot of the fellows that I'm working, mentoring and high noon who are struggling with porn addiction, right? They have been messaging me, especially the last few weeks saying like they're really struggling with this. Or one guy was saying, I really like feel like I'm, I'm failing in life and I'm not as far as I should be. And everyone else that I see is doing better than me, right? And someone else is saying, oh, I, I, you know, I saw something on Instagram or on YouTube and it triggered me to go and act out, right? And so I was getting a bunch of influx of messages from people who are struggling, right? And I realized something. All of these people can end their struggling by just detoxing from all social media. So I mandated for all of these guys who are in the Spartan program, especially 10 plus guys in the program who I kind of messaged uh, individually, I told all of them, you guys have to do a one month detox from all social media, all social media. Wow. And they were like, why? And I was <laughs> like, that's a good question. So I sent them a video and I basically, I'm doing it myself too. And I basically told them the reasons you feel like you need social media in your life are the same reasons you believe porn, you need porn in your life. 
So I told them to make a list of all the pros and cons for all the platforms that they consume, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera, right? And I asked them to make a pros and cons list and actually asked themselves, honestly, are there actually really big benefits to those social media or is it more just consuming time? And I also asked them to look at how much time they spent on social media. You know, the phone has like a screen time setting where you can check it out. And so I did this whole process myself and I was blown away. I was like, wow, I spent more time than I like on YouTube. And then I made a list of all the pros and cons. And then so I was like, okay, pros, it's stress relief, it's relaxing, right? I learned something sometimes. And then I was like, and then I, and then I wrote the cons, it's time consuming. I don't feel great after, you know, the ghost thumb where you're just like on the toilet and you like go to Facebook <laughs> or whatever without sure. even thinking about like, I don't feel great doing that. The opportunity cost, that's a huge con of like, what else could I have been doing with that time? And then I was like, there are actually no pros for me personally, because the, the relaxation and stress relief, it's not really. It's like artificial stress relief. There's probably 110 better ways to alleviate stress and relax than going to YouTube. And I also realized that it's not actually educational because the way I use it is not intentional. And that was like a light bulb for me. I was like, oh, I can use YouTube and Google as education if I just search for stuff. So now my rule is I only go to those platforms if I'm actually needing to search for something and I only use a search function and not the like recommend to me kind of, you know, use of Facebook and YouTube, et cetera. And that's been my life changing. So I started that a few weeks ago and I've just had a lot more time. So I find myself, I'm on the toilet or I'm, you know, by myself for whatever reason. I usually usually go, the ghost thumb goes to social media or whatever, Facebook. And now it's like, what do I do? So I usually like journal, like write my phone and journal, I make note of how I'm feeling that day or make plans or make goals. Or I will like Google search something productive, like how to do this or how to get this result or how to, you know, et cetera. So I mandated that for a bunch of guys to detox all social media. And the reason I'm bringing this up back to the original point of values is that I think there are too many negative effects on our value system when we consume social media. For one, it's like we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people and it kind of in a way dictates how we what we view as important, right? If you follow like a lot of the like business guru people or like the lifestyle people, it's like, oh, this person is super attractive or this person has a great life. And that's what you start to value because you consume a lot of that content because that's not, you know, it's not like they're malicious about it. It's just the natural byproduct of spending a lot of mental energy on that. And so I think that if we spend less time in that world and more time, like you said, Andrew, actually connecting with people who share our values, then that's going to reinforce the values that are really important to us. So instead of spending two or three hours a day, which is normal for people to spend on social media or watching YouTube, then going to connecting with your group in high noon or connecting with people, playing a sport with people, talking with family members. It's like those kinds of activities, I think, really do actually reinforce their values and is what sustainable long term to creating a really awesome culture and world that we need to see. Yeah, I like it. I would say that the benefit too of doing a detox, like social media detox, is that you separate yourself from the good and the bad so that you can, if you want to reintroduce it, to reintroduce it consciously, to only use it for good. Because it can be good for connecting, you know, but it usually isn't. For the most part, it isn't. It's yeah, usually, usually a form of distraction. It's very unconscious. So, no, I like that. And I do think... Again, I was mentioning that our values are pecked away at. I think if you watch enough YouTube and the algorithm gets to know you, it starts to expose you to different, how you stand out with thumbnails and all that is by saying shocking things. And that's how we feel entertained is more extreme content. It's true of porn and it's true of just everyday content. You're going to start to experience more extreme views about stuff and it stops showing up as being extreme. It's just like kind of normal. 
this guy, Andrew Tate, is taking over the internet, and that's all he's doing. He's just saying a bunch of outlandish stuff. A lot of it is just horrific, like the way he talks about women and stuff. But he's playing the game, and he's, and he's taking over the internet by doing it. But the first time you see the video, like a video from him, and you hear him calling women useless bitches, you're like, whoa, that's terrible. It's horrible. And then he, and it just keeps on popping up. You're just like, oh yeah, that, that's that guy. It's just like normal. But you wouldn't do that in real life. If you saw somebody physically or, or mentally abusing somebody out in public, you'd want to do something about it. But if you have a neighbor and you always hear domestic violence, you kind of get used to it. But it's not good that you do get used to it. It just means that you're becoming numb. Your conscience is becoming numb. You're accepting it in a way. By getting used to it, you're accepting it. You're not denying it. You're not doing something proactive about it. So that's what social media does to us. That's what the internet does. And it slowly kills our value system because it becomes very weak because we stop engaging with why it's better. Oh, I wanted to go back real quick. We got to end this soon. We're kind of going yeah. off today. But you were talking about... Something about like hearing, hearing somebody, oh, hearing like a podcast where the guys were talking about how many women they sleep with. You know, part of it is that old analogy of like you have two wolves and you're either feeding one or the other, good wolf, bad wolf kind of thing. That's very true, especially about social media. If you're watching porn and then you're exposed to kind of not so great ideas or values. I saw this one woman who had OnlyFans, it was like a YouTube short, and she was talking about how she loves to sleep with her brother's friends to make them feel good about life. And the interviewer was like, wow, you're such a good human, you know? And like, I was just, I was like, Jesus, what? <laughs> how's, that, how's that even like on the spectrum of a valuable act to do for somebody? But the other part of me is also, she's very attractive. So I know that there's a part of us, there's a wolf that we've all fed in our lives by watching porn that glorifies those situations and in a sense wants to be in that situation, right? And if that's emboldened, then you continue to consume that content and it weakens your values. It weakens your defense system. It weakens your ability to remember what your conscience actually wants. But when you're doing really well and you see something like that, you feel like, oh my God, that whole situation is so gnarly. These people, like how lonely it would be for that woman to only use her body and never have anybody value her mind, her emotions, anything like that. That's not accessible when you're not feeding your conscience and your values. But there's always an amount of desire that comes with that as well. So the erosion of values, why somebody would let their values erode is because it's kind of interesting and alluring, this thing that they're watching, but they're sacrificing their conscience and they're sacrificing their better judgment. So mm -hmm. anyway, we'll leave you alone, guys. We gave you a lot, maybe too much to think about today, but I just feel like most people are losing something that guides them towards ultimate freedom and they're losing it day by day and they're actually giving it up. Every video that validates selfishness that you watch is eroding your value system little by little. And you're doing it possibly unconsciously, but now that you've listened to this, I think it's important that you reevaluate how you watch, consume content, and that it's in line with your value system so that it strengthens and emboldens you to be a good person rather than a selfish person. Any closing words, Benji? Yeah, I just want to say, I think that the other side of the danger of consumption, right, is mindless, unintentional consumption, is that it makes us kind of riled up. It creates this like judgmentalness in us. And I think that's kind of what I fall and pray to as well. It's like, I become upset when I hear stuff like that on that podcast, right? Which is also not healthy. And I know people would say, well, it's good to know, isn't it? My honest opinion is that I, I think that it's more inflated than reality. 
like all the stuff that happens on the news, like I know how news works and I know how the algorithm works. And like you said, things are inflated so that people will watch it. So by nature of that, like that Andrew Tate guy, it's like not everybody's like him. In fact, probably very few people are like him percentage wise, but it kind of makes you feel like, oh, this is how people are. And therefore that's bad or that's good. So either way, whatever you come out of that video with is like, this is normal. This is outrageous. It's still not, I think, a realistic or healthy view on stuff. And I think yeah. that's the problem with a lot of the, like, not to get political, but the left versus right. It's like the news and the media is creating this binary of like, this is right and this is wrong because they know how to aggravate our fallen nature. Does that make sense? Like they know how sure. to aggravate us to the point where it gets views and clicks. And that's, you know, that's just how money is made, quite frankly. So I think it's our responsibility to like consume what we feel like is healthy and not just be unintentional about it. And I think for the vast majority of people, when it comes to consumption, it is pretty unintentional, right? It's like the Absolutely. traditional, you know, watch TV and the, half of the time you're watching TV, you're just watching commercials. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, just want to add that. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Benji. So that's, that's us guys. I think, you know, uh, if you have any questions, we want to let you know that High Noon staff just met up and we're clear who our audience is. We want to help you guys. Bless family members, people in our community. We're all about you. And so we want to tailor our content just for you. For a while, we weren't sure. Do we want to take over the world? Do we want to kick up some sand? Do we want to fight these people online? Do mm. we want to waste? That can consume a person when you start getting into spats online and all this stuff. And in all honesty, we, we decided not to. It's not that we're afraid or anything like that. Our approach is we want to create that safe haven for you guys. We want to create that space for you to try out new values, a value system that aligns with being the person that you want to be. And we want to be uncompromising in that. So that's what the podcast is. We're going to be doubling down on making more YouTube content, all this so that when, if, and when you find yourself in these places that we can be voice of reason in a sea of madness, mm -hmm. right? So please, if you need any content to be generated, if you if there's a topic you want us to tackle or a person you want us to interview to help clarify, that's what we're here for. So reach out to us via social media or uh, via email, however you however you reach out to people. Okay, and we will see you next week. Hey, before you go, I wanted you to consider checking out High Noon Connect. So if you go to our website, highnoon.org, you'll notice, first of all, we have a brand new website, which is beautiful. And also you'll notice that there's the opportunity to join High Noon Connect. The essence of what High Noon is morphing into is a community. We are better together and sexual integrity involves other people. Okay, if you're struggling with pornography, you need the help of brothers and sisters of people in a community dedicated to helping lift you up. And even if you're not, if you're in a relationship and you just want more intimacy, more love, more joy, or if you're single and you just want to be a person that can live according to their values in the area of sexuality and you want to be around a group of people who are fighting in the same way, then please go to highnoon.org and sign up for High Noon Connect. There's a free version and a paid version. We want to make this as accessible as possible. And we're a nonprofit, so we're not trying to make a buck here. We're just trying to create a community off of Facebook that gives a focused conversation, focused energy, focused attention on building sexual integrity as a cultural intention. So go to highnoon.org. We'll see you there.